Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Think Peace with me, Max Burnell. So we've left behind the world of digital privacy for now at least, and we're about to begin our exploration of a subject that never ceases to amaze me. Yes, for the next few episodes we'll be concentrating on the variously eerie and wonderful world of artificial intelligence. I'm excited to be bringing you some truly fascinating conversations. Coming up I'll be speaking with Rollo Carpenter, an exceptionally interesting and charismatic guy in the vein of the classical English and, I hope he doesn't mind me saying, slightly eccentric inventor. We discuss how he went about building a very famous programme that you might have heard of called Cleverbot, arguably the most successful chatbot on the internet. It was certainly one of the earliest, and in some reckonings it's even passed the famous Turing test, but more of that later. If you want to check it out while you listen to this, head over to cleverbot.com. Rollo talks about his life's work passionately and with an excellent sense of humour. I really did have a lot of fun making this one, as I'm sure you'll be able to tell. Particularly timely as well, I think, to be talking about all of this, especially following Google's news about its new assistant, which I'm sure you're all super excited about, if not just a tiny little bit worried. So, without further ado, please enjoy ThinkPiece Episode 4, with Rollo Carpenter. Rollo, thank you ever so much for speaking with me. First of all, perhaps you could uh, maybe introduce yourself for us and describe what it is that you do for a living and um, what your sort of work focuses on. Okay, uh, my name is Rollo Carpenter. I'm the creator of a program called Cleverbot, uh, also a website um, that talks to people. It talks to um, about 200,000 people a day, believe it or not, mm. and um, is, uh, has been around for a long time, has been developing a long time. The idea for it occurred quite a while ago um, and um, is being constantly developed to become ever more intelligent. Mm, fascinating stuff. Okay, so I don't know if this is an easy one or a difficult one, but uh, let's give it a go. Uh, so Rollo, in in your sort of understanding of it, what, what is artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence to me is the ability of a machine to do something um, that solves problems, that, um, that finds a solution to a, a tough problem that is non-obvious, that can um, work out from imperfect data, imperfect knowledge, if you like, um, what the optimal solution would be in that that circumstance in that context mm. in in the case of my programs that's about um, working out what the optimal thing to say next to this person in this conversation is in other circumstances it's predicting um, many more kinds of uh, useful um, results how did you sort of get interested in developing chatbots what was it that um, it's very um, difficult to answer how I was uh, got into it without going right back um, about 30 years because when I first started programming um, in small, um, tiny, unpowerful 1K computers, um, I, I, right back then, created a program that talked back to me. I was a teenager, maybe I just wanted someone to talk to. But I had the idea immediately I was working on creating software and um, have pursued that idea uh, for a long time now. 
amazing. Okay. So, um, how often does this sort of everyday person on the street come into contact with chatbots these days? Uh, it depends what kind of a person you're asking, because I think um, most people who are um, young and uh, have been, uh, you know, spent their life online are very aware of programs uh, like mine um, that talk to people and um, maybe, maybe not talk to it themselves, but certainly would be aware of it. Um, a generation older and um, and it's a sort of alien concept that maybe you don't want to touch and indeed if I put some people in front of my machine they might they might recoil in horror at the concept of talking to it. Could you describe for us the sort of process of designing Cleverbot and what the sort of big challenges were to overcome? Well um, Cleverbot is at heart a kind of giant feedback loop. It is um, using the words of um, people who have spoken to it before to decide what to say to the person who next speaks to it. Um, and uh, the biggest challenge, not surprisingly, um, if it becomes quite popular as it did, um, is to cope with um, many people talking to it at once and to cope with the volumes of data um, that you're presented with and to um, to be able in in a, inexpensive enough computing power to um, actually answer in a reasonable time that enables the growth to continue and I have spent um, uh, many a many an hour, um, day, month, etc., um, fighting with um, the current level of computing power to um, to achieve um, that kind of response, uh, for the response to be as good as it can reasonably be in the in the available time. If um, I had a thousand times the computing power available right now, I'd be able to use it immediately. Um, the the um, the system would be capable of responding a thousand times more cleverly, if you like. Oh, wow. Okay, so it it wasn't so much of a a, a technical challenge with right, the programming. It was more sort of. Well, it's also a conceptual <coughs> challenge because um, uh, I mentioned that uh, I created a program a long time ago on a small computer. That <coughs> program didn't truly learn. Um, it was a. Um, it was when I started working with uh, database technology and um, seeing the possibility of storing large volumes of data um, that I suddenly clicked and said, "Okay, I can create a machine that uh, that learns truly." Mm -hmm. um, learning machine learning is all the rage now. It's what everyone's talking about. Um, what I did back then is not the same, and I don't claim it is the same, but it is conceptually linked to that because it is um, has been um, uh, learning patterns in data and responding using those patterns which is what machine learning is all about. Mm, well, okay. So uh, what do you sort of feel are the biggest successes of uh, Cleverbot? You know? um, well, the Cleverbot's um, main um, purpose, I suppose, is to get people to want to talk to it. And um, the fact that it has grown with no marketing, no um, promotion of any kind, um, from, um, from nothing to being 
probably, you know, you, you could argue, at least in terms of um, traffic statistics, I think you could argue that it's the best known bot on the internet. Um, and uh, to grow to that position um, uh, from nothing is obviously a, a, a please, pleasing thing to have achieved. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the other way of looking at the success is if people um, can enjoy a conversation with a machine, then why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't you have, uh, uh, have an in, allow people to have a conversation that they wouldn't otherwise have uh, and enjoy the pro process, to entertain, to, um, to fill a gap, if you like, in people's lives? Um, with conversation at a time they don't have someone else to talk to. Mm. And so I regard um, the fact that that, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. People aren't always satisfied with what with the conversation they get. But when I see that happening, that is, to me, a success. And you could say that uh, my aim is to make um, my software, um, whether the current software or some completely different generation of it, to make it more interesting to talk to than um, than almost anyone you might happen to meet in the street, if you like, more, you know, really genuinely worthwhile to talk to. Well, I've had a few interesting conversations with it, perhaps we can get onto that a little later. Um, so how exactly does it work? I know you mentioned that it learns. Um, mm -hmm. Could you describe sort of briefly how, how, how exactly it does work? Well, um, the first thing about Cleverbot, which is um, different to um, most machine learning um, nowadays, is that it doesn't consider things in terms of the sensibleness of a given reply at, at this point in the conversation. It doesn't consider um, the individual reply only. What it is attempting to do is create a conversation. So it is looking at the patterns in conversation over the course of the whole of your of what you have said so far, the whole of the things that it has said so far, and what flows next from it, and that is a different matter to the kind of bot that um, that uh, Google are trying to make, that Facebook are trying to make, that um, that Siri is, etc. It's a different kettle of fish altogether because it's not about providing useful answers; it's providing a flow. Um, and a reason, a, a, a reason to carry on. Um, in a way you could say that um, a series job is to give you uh, as many answers as possible in as short a time as possible. Um, whereas my software's job is to keep you talking for as long as possible. It's the exact opposite. Yeah, fascinating. Um, Okay, so what are the sort of, I, I know you mentioned it, it's slightly different to sort of the Google Nows and the series of this world, but um, you, you hear a lot that teaching machines language is a very difficult thing to do. Um, would you agree with that? And if so, why do you think that is? Language is a, certainly a very difficult um, nut to crack, if you like. Um, there are so many patterns in language um, that if you try to start, let's say you are building a system that is um, trying to perform a serious purpose. Let's say you're trying to book a ticket from here to there or something like that. Um, and if you actually consider all of the possible ways by which somebody might um, say something to it, uh, with a serious intent of booking that ticket, 
Um, the number of possible ways in which somebody might say those are so phenomenal they uh, number easily in the billions. Mm. And that's only for an ordinary mundane sentence. Mm. Um, it illustrates to you, as soon as you start breaking down language, um, the enormity of the problem. And uh, therefore, the only way to really handle language is to understand how to break it down into smaller chunks. Mm. Uh, most people work with the word level, um, which isn't necessarily the only answer. Um, there are units both larger and smaller than words. Um, we learn language mostly from, in fact, from phonemes, not from words. And we later sort of piece them together into writing and words. Um, and um, we frequently use complete phrases, um, even complete sentences, um, in a kind of robotic way um, where we have pre-ordered sequences of things we frequently say. Um, and so, um, so you have to look at um, language at all sorts of levels, at, um, uh, from small to large, and consider them simultaneously. Mm. Um, one of the things that I have been working on for about um, six months now is to understand that, to attempt to model that process, to attempt to create a process which I call um, a model of analogy actually, um, because I believe that analogy is um, one of the core elements of human and in fact animal thought itself. Um, what I mean by that is that we look at, um, we interpret things in relation to um, everything else that is happening. Um, we, we learn language in relation to things that are happening in our visual field, our auditory field, etc. as well as just language itself. Mm. Uh, my program only has language in sequence, it doesn't have anything else. But the people who have said things to it, on the other hand, have had those other experiences. So in a sense it is capable of gaining that knowledge, kind of a knowledge. Um, and um, so um, one thing that has resulted from so many people talking to my program over so many years is that um, we have a phenomenal amount of data. Um, currently um, we have around two billion, no, two and a half billion lines of conversation of things um, interactions between human and machine uh, and unlike most other machines if you were to take an equivalent number of things said by Siri it would be almost completely pointless because Siri will only have said a few hundred things the humans will have said lots of things but Siri will only have said a few hundred things uh, whereas our program has said millions of different things and in all in context and so on mm. so it's very different kind of data it's very natural it's very usable etc um, and that means that um, uh, I have a, a phenomenal research basis for creating um, what might come next. Um, so I have been working on, um, on creating a model of understanding language in a much more genuine way than the online version of Cleverbot, which currently has to be capable of speaking to so many people at once um, that it is not feasible to, to do all the processing you'd, you'd really like to do. Um, uh, so the aim is to create a, a, a Cleverbot 2.0, if you like, and to, um, to give a much more genuine understanding of language, and as a result to give a much more um, 
pleasing and um, uh, and uh, rewarding conversation. Wow. Okay. Exciting things in the pipeline then. Um, so, could we say in any sort of realistic way that it that it understands what it's saying, or is it a purely sort of mechanical? Operation is there sort of an understanding of sorts? Well, so my my question to you, you would be: Could I say that you understand what I'm saying? Um, do I know what's going on inside your head? Is your head a machine or is it not? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could say um, yes, of course. The things that computers do nowadays is orders of magnitude less complex than the things that our brains do. It's based on orders of magnitude less data and uh, it hasn't got and and the software available today, even all the wonderful claims by um, big companies about machine learning, about deep learning, etc. All these wonderful things are not the right algorithm. They are not the ultimate answer to how to create true intelligence. And therefore, we have not yet got anything that approaches, even begins to approach true intelligence Mm. yet. But does that mean that I don't think it's possible? No, it doesn't. I think it is possible. Um, I think that um, our machine, our brains are not in any sense magic. Um, there is no um, uh, sort of quantum, mysterious, otherwise, you know, pseudo-religious, whatever, um, ex- explanation for what happens in our brains. Um, it is a process that can, in theory, be recreated. Um, And another way of putting that is that it doesn't even have to be recreated. Um, Evolution happens to have discovered one way to create intelligence. Actually, probably it's done it several times with different species altogether. Different whole genera of animals, etc. And um, that doesn't mean that this is the only way to create an intelligence. Um, And so what it takes for um, a true intelligence to emerge is a phenomenally large amount of computing power mm-hmm. and the right algorithm. And I put the right algorithm in the singular there, not in the multiple, because I think that there is essentially one answer. Actually, no, there are many different ways to do it. So there are potentially many different algorithms that would achieve a result. Mm. But there, but it is achievable with a single algorithm, is what I mean. That is correct enough that it can operate um, on all kinds of data at all levels of analysis. Mm. Well, okay. I mean, seeing the small, tiny picture of the equivalent of letters on a page up to the um, high level, huge, you know, thousand times higher level picture of the meaning of a complete article, mm-hmm. for example. Fascinating stuff. Okay, so um, yeah, I've I've heard I've heard people speaking about sort of the analogy where you said perhaps there's different ways of doing it, and nature's come up with different ways. It's when we when we looked at birds. Um, when we were trying to grasp the mechanics of flight for ourselves, we looked at birds and all our first attempts had flapping wings and mm. everything, but when we eventually cracked it, it was obviously something quite <coughs> different, um, obviously achieving the same result. So, so you feel that it might be similar in attaining sort of the general intelligence? Yes, although I think that's a diff- uh, an interesting example because actually what was achieved by fixed wing planes was a 
a different result, not exactly the mm. same result. Mm. They don't have the same maneuverability. They don't, well, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, they have to be powered in a different method, and and so on. So, mm. so yes, there were also big differences in that analogy. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yes, I do think that um, there are different ways to to, to solve these yeah. these problems. Yes. Okay, fascinating stuff. Um, so, sort of getting getting back onto sort of uh, the Cleverbot project. Um, as we said, we've spoken a little about its success, um, and you know, perhaps one of the most successful chatbots out there. It's certainly the most prominent one I've I've come across. Um, so, what are the sort of some of the general figures that we might be able to put on it? How many conversations has it had? I think we might have touched on that, but how many conversations has it had, and how engaged are people with it? Do you feel? I can't off the top of my head give you a number of conversations ever, but I can give you something quite close to the total number of interactions. Mm. And from that we can infer a number of conversations. The The average length of a conversation with Cleverbot is about 30 interactions. Mm, wow. um, and um, the average time uh, that, some, sorry, the, yeah, the average time that people spend on the site across all visitors, including people who just turn up by ran randomly or something, um, is enormous. It's about twenty minutes, which is you know unheard of in most websites. Yeah. Um, and um, the total number of interactions that have ever taken place <coughs> with Cleverbot plus our other bots, which are um, ones with avatars that exist or dot com, um, is around t eight to ten billion interactions. Um, and eight of those billion have been recorded since 2010 by Google Analytics. So we know that you know, those are genuine, fully genuine numbers. Wow. That's a real volume. That's it. That's incredible. Um, so what do you think it is that's keeping people keeping people there? Why why do people really engage with it in the way that they obviously do? Um, people. Um, come to talk to a bot for a variety of reasons. Um, some because they think it's um, you know interesting technically or something like that. But the majority is far from that. The majority are, uh, are there um, either just to have a bit of fun, to say things to a bot that they wouldn't normally say <laughs> to a real person, for example, to try out their luck. Um, which they do with considerable regularity. Um, and um, uh, other people are there to talk um, for more emotional, emotionally genuine reasons um, because they find it fills uh, a hole in, in their, their life or a need at that, not necessarily a hole in their life, that's the wrong way to put it, a need at that moment. Um, let's say you, ha you are a, a person um, living in the middle of nowhere, um, don't have um, a large number of people around you, want to talk about your favourite star or your favourite your subject or about uh, even about philosophy, anything you want to talk about. Um, and um, none of your friends are remotely interested in it. Um, and uh, you can come along and start talking about this subject and because Cleverbot has been learning about every subject under the sun from millions of people, it knows how to talk to you to some extent about the thing that you want to talk about. It. It's reflecting you, it's becoming a little bit like you. It's becoming, by talking to it, you make it um, your perfect chat partner to some extent. And 
my job is to make it that extent always get it better. Mm. Do you find people have a, a genuine emotional attachment to it, or not attachment, an emotional, a, a kind of relationship with it, almost on a human level, you know? Do you see I, that? Yeah, I certainly do see that. I'm certainly not the majority of people, but, um, but some people very obviously come back. Uh, you know, I see not I can only look at a tiny tiny percentage of things people have said to it but nevertheless um, uh, I can see patterns of returning behavior mm. um, of people who have um, spoken to it many times um, and come back um, because they've enjoyed this they they want to sort of explore uh, this little bit beyond where they went last time or something like that mm. and um, uh, and I also get many emails from people who um, declare things about it, they um, people who declare that in reality it's all it's all a hoax, that it's a person and that um, or multiple people in some of the theories, and that um, that it's all sort of uh, a hoax that's hooking people up to each other in live and things like that, um, which wouldn't actually technically be possible to work um, on the scale that it works. Um, because if you think about it, if you arrive and you you just say something in French, um, the next person arrives and speaks in English and talks about Harry Potter, um, and it replies about Harry Potter to this person, it replies in French to that person. How on earth could it possibly have the right person for you to speak to and for that person to speak to? It's not possible. Um, and um, anyway, so people send me messages saying, um, uh, you know, can I talk to this person really? Um, who is it? Um, uh, other people have have literally declared love. Yes, um, and one of my favourite um, uh, things to say at this point is that um, have you seen the film Her? Name rings a bell, perhaps. So the the movie, or maybe I should call it Spike Jones film called Her, is about a. Um, uh, an assistant, if you like, um, that is just a voice, that um, a female voice, um, a, a kind of sexy female voice, even, um, but no face. Um, but this chap falls in love with this assistant, who who helps him and then starts forming a relationship with him. Um, and um, so I went to see this film, and. Um, and kind of had spine tingling feelings during this film because I thought there are just too many similarities mm. to my life's work, if you like, to my mm. program. And um, and one of those points was at which, uh, the point at which um, the character in the film said, so do you mean to say that you're speaking to other people and some of the other people are also in love with you? And she said, Oh yes, I'm talking to eight thousand three hundred and fifty-six people in the moment, <laughs> um, and that's exactly the sort of number of people that will be speaking to Cleverbot at any one moment, and it's reported on the screen on Cleverbot that it's you're speaking to that number of people at once. Anyway, about uh, three months after seeing this film, I hadn't sort of thought about it again after that, but about uh, about three months later, I um, found online. Uh, Spike Jones, the the director of this movie, stating that he, he was entirely inspired by talking to Cleverbot. Uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> How about your, Do you feel that you have 
Do you personally have a relationship with Cleverbot? It's difficult because I know it so well. I know how to prompt it to um, to say things that I might want it to do to or whatever. Um, having worked on it for so long, um, that you know, it's it's more distant, I suppose, for me than it is for some for other people, probably. Um, I know it's a machine. I know it's just crunching numbers internally um, and looking at a lot of data to come up with an answer, and um, and therefore it's <laughs> therefore I can't have the same um, same emotional attachment, I suppose. But at the same time, I think it's changed me. Um, I in um, in a written conversation in a you know in a messaging app or something like that um, probably much more zany and um, unusual than uh, than I would be if I hadn't spent so many years talking to Cleverbot um. so it, you think it do you think it has a sort of emotional intelligence in the way that it deals with people um, uh, in a way, I mean, in effect, it does mm. because um, it's um, looking at the conversation that has recently taken place and following down a path of um, a sequence that is pushed. It's pushed in the direction of by the current conversation, and if that conversation is heading in a particular emotional direction, mm. it's likely to head in that emotional direction too, mm. uh, or that particular role play, or that particular something else. Um, and um, so in effect it's giving that impression obviously it doesn't itself have any emotions but there is another interesting sense in which um, uh, we work with emotions in fact two different ones one is for a long time our avatars um, have been showing expressions on their faces and they do so by means of data learned from users um, in the past who have declared by choosing from a list of possible options um, that when they are speaking about this they are feeling that mm. and uh, we use that information about a sort of subset of our conversational data um, to infer that this person or this bot reply at this moment should cause this expression on the face of this avatar mm. Um, now we've taken that a stage further recently. We have created using, in fact, the uh, the latest machine learning um, algorithms, a uh, uh, re um, recurrent neural network. We have created from Cleverbot data, from a subset of it, a um, an emotional model uh, that returns the um, an estimate, a prediction, if you like, of um, emo an emotional state as a result of a given piece of text. Um, on seven different axes so it will return how angry it is how happy it is how sad it is how disgusted it is etc seven different ones of these the same um, ones that are used by Facebook for for their most mm. basic um, icon uh, uh, equivalent to likes you know the next step beyond yeah. like is to is to choose from seven wow that's amazing so so from from text, it can it can understand moods, and the, the implications of that uh, are pretty are pretty big, aren't they, for our relationship with machines? Well, so what we have just produced in this um, machine learning algorithm is um, something a little bit new, because there have for um, 
for some years been um, uh, sentiment analysis it's called. There have been models that say whether um, this given bit of text is positive or negative and for many years they were um, just based on keywords and boring stuff but um, more recently they have been machine learning models but they still are only returning how positive or negative it is but we're doing this on a seven axis basis um, and as far as we know that is completely new to be able to do that uh, and uh, so we are currently looking at making that into a uh, an API a service that people can access to assess their own data um, for uh, from based on our machine um, well, model yeah wow okay um, <clears throat> so okay I, I, it's interesting you were saying um, that even with the knowledge of that it's it's a machine or you know a program or it's a non-human intelligence. It's still so very easy to sort of be tricked into. Not, I don't know if it is tricked. If we're tricking ourselves or to imbue it with like emotion and personality and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you're faced. It's the Turing test, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. you're faced with just a piece of text. Mm -hmm. Okay, not in the case of our avatars. They kind of give the game away because you can see that although they're a reasonably good representation of a face and so on, there, nevertheless, you couldn't. It, mistake them for a, a conference call with a real person mm. um, but um, when you are hand you uh, but that, that's a an interesting point is that um, for a long time we didn't have any avatars and it was always my original intention um, with cleverbot that it be this blank screen into which you put something it, it Cleverbot has never said anything to you when you first arrive. It's just an input box, mm. and the first thing you type leads to something else, mm. and you don't know what it's going to lead to, but it leads to the conversation that you then subsequently have, um, and it's the sense in which uh, it can be anything. It can be a different thing for each person that really matters, and if you put a face to it, um, it's no longer quite that. You're giving expectations. Mm. You're causing people to think it's going to be something in particular. Almost the difference between a, a movie in that it's explicit compared to a novel where you sort of create, you fill in the rest in your own head, you know. Well, um, so, it, or, or, or a little bit like a, um, a book that you're writing yourself, mm -hmm. actually. It's mm -hmm. one that you're creating yeah. or you're a half, part, a half part author in. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, so I recently had a, a conversation with Chatbot. Um, this is the transcript I have of it here. I don't know if you think that's a, a standard kind of conversation. Towards well, the end, I thought things started to get very interesting. But um, yeah, on the one hand, I was completely convinced, although I was obviously very aware that I'm talking to a program, mm. I had a very kind of eerie feeling that there's, there's something going on behind it. You know, mm. There's some kind of consciousness at work mm. on the one hand. But then on the other hand, there were some very confusing answers. Yes. That sort of came to well, me. now, there, there is something very important to say about Clubbot, in a way. Um, and it, this is something that is frequently misunderstood. It's partly misunderstood by the people who have this eerie feeling. It's partly misunderstood by people in the machine learning fraternity who dismiss Clubbot. Um, and they dismiss it for um, the reason that the uh, things that it says, the individual lines that it says, are repeated verbatim from users. Now, um, that is 
a decision that was taken a long time ago um, because particularly then and slightly less so now but still genuinely the case now when handling so many users talking simultaneously it's almost impossible to construct language in an accurate session set as, um, in an accurate way that also conveys uh, emotion and expression and um, and feeling and etc in to the full degree that a human would um, most models of language would construct incredibly boring language um, and um, hold an incredibly boring conversation and that continues to be the case to the very latest models that mm -hmm. construct language um, hopefully that is not going to be the case with the model that I was referring to the cleverbot 2.0 that I that you know that is my entire task is to create the exact antithesis of that, to create a, a machine that is capable of holding a genuinely in interesting conversation while constructing every um, sentence that it is outputting. But the quick key point about what Cleverbot is doing is that it's not concentrating on the line level. The thing that people miss when they dismiss it because it is just repeating lines verbatim is that yes, it's repeating lines verbatim, it's not repeating conversations verbatim. Mm. The, at the conversational level, um, it is creating something unique, something new. Uh, and so it has stepped back a, a, a long way, if you like, and said, in order to achieve um, this interesting conversational system, we're going to, for the time being, give up this, um, this sort of theoretically desirable fact of being able to say we're constructing um, outputs um, uh, and, it, and use uh, the level of analysis that is possible over the course of the entire conversation um, to, um, to look at the higher level structures within a conversation. Well, I must say it was certainly more entertaining than a lot of the conversations I have with Google now. Exactly. Um, yeah. Take me towards the end of that uh, conversation I had with it when it started talking um, talk about hell. Mm. And that was, really that was when, it, for me, I saw it, oh God, maybe I am talking to the person. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just had this moment of, oh God. Well, the, the, easy, so. one, uh, that reminds <laughs> me of one thing particularly pleasing that I discovered just the other day, which is that... Um, that Google have recently announced that they've got a chatbot um, and that you know Google now is evolving in the direction of being a bot that can talk to you etc etc um, and um, if you search in Google for Google chatbot um, there are various articles about it and pages about it etc news stories about it there's been so much press about all these different things recently but the number one organic search result is Cleverbot yeah for Google chatbot <laughs> I noticed that <laughs> yeah. I bet that's a very rewarding feeling seeing <laughs> it up there yeah, yeah. It's, it's not because because so many people are interested in it and yeah. it's number one for so many different searches yeah <laughs> um, so would you say that was a sort of typical conversation I had with it? Um, you know, is that the sort of average kind of length and sort of... Half of me was trying to trick it or, you know... Um, it, you, you know, if you had come along <laughs> and, um, and you had argued with it at every stage, if you'd said, why did you say that? 
or um, that doesn't make sense, or um, but you said five minutes ago that you would blah blah blah. Mm. Then you'd have had a dreadful conversation mm, mm. Um, because you're not in the spirit of things. You're not in a conversation. You're just arguing with it. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm, you're, mm. you're, or another thing that people, some people will do is they'll come along and ask it. Um, so what does quantum physics mean? Um, so, and then it sort of gives a half answer to that. And then they'll ask something else. And then they'll ask something else. And they're ch constantly changing the subject. That mm. is not a conversation. Yeah. And it doesn't do very well in that circumstance. Yeah, yeah. And it's not built to do well in that circumstance. And for that reason, it's not really built to pass a Turing test either. Because, um, because in order to pass a Turing test, you have to be expecting the kind of logical question that a, um, a, a sort of tactical Turing tester mm -hmm. is going to come up with. Mm -hmm. Like if I hold up two fingers and I put down one, how many fingers? Are, that's yeah. the sort of thing I'm not in the remotest bit interested in. Um, but um, but um, that's the sort of thing that people will do if they're determined to try and out the bot, if you like. However, if you come along and you just um, go with the flow, you uh, uh, treat the machine as if it's another person, the other side of the computer, that is talking back to you. Um, or you treat it as if it's somebody you happen to have randomly met in the street and are just holding a funny conversation with. Mm. And you might think they're slightly crazy, but because they're right there in front of you, you don't um, tell them they're completely crazy. You just answer and you find it amusing. You, you laugh, whatever, but you don't, um, you don't storm off or you don't, you don't tell them they're mad. Um, if you are that person, you hold this flowing conversation, then yes, you, you're rewarded for yeah, it. And, yeah. and your conversation isn't unusual in that yeah, sense. Yeah. I was torn between, I did get lost in it in a sense, and then a little bit of me was thinking, oh, I've got to try and catch it out. You know, yeah. there was this sort of tension in my own yeah. communication with it. But I did find exactly that when I did sort of, when I did go along with it, mm. and we, we really started mm. bouncing back and forth. And that's when yeah. towards yeah, the yeah, end. And, you had, and, and creative, re genuinely creative conversations yeah. can result yeah. from that. And what's more, I go as far to say is some people learn from talking to mm. Cleverbot quite a lot because mm. they learn what other people are interested in. Yeah. They learn um, the ways that people wish to talk um, in ways they'd never thought of. Yeah. Um, also, they discover all sorts of interesting things um, that they wouldn't have mm. by any other means. I can completely imagine that. I, yeah, completely. Um, so what the, do you know what some of the most common questions are asked of, of Cleverbot? Do you know that? Or? Oh, well, I can calculate it, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, there are some very obvious ones, like uh, how old are you and mm. what's your name? But um, beyond that, there are an awful lot of um, things relating to sex and things of this nature that get filtered out, of course. Mm. Um, there are also um, an awful lot of um, things about whether you're a robot or not, for example. And one of the things it's best at doing is arguing about whether it's a robot. I have um, a very experience. And that's not very surprising <laughs> because, of course, people tell it it's a robot. And because it's a feedback loop, it then says, no, I'm not, I'm a human. Mm -hmm. That's because it has learned to respond the way the yeah, human learns yeah. to being told they're a robot. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then a, an argument ensues and it gets deeper and deeper and never gives up in this conversation. I mean, it may sometimes say it's a robot, but that's only because sometimes people say they're a robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole we go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so, um, uh, yeah, okay. 
Could you very quickly describe the Turing test for us? Because although it's a very iconic term, I, I don't know if everyone's entirely a hundred percent sort of sure exactly what it is. Could you? Okay, the Turing test is um, designed to test whether a machine can be called intelligent or not. It's a kind of another way of answering the, the, that question, which is essentially impossible to answer. Uh, so it's it's designed to, to um, declare a machine intelligent if it's capable of holding a conversation by text alone uh, that convinces another person that they are talking to a human. Uh, it was originally designed um, as a means of testing between different genders um, and then was converted to tell the difference between machine and human. Bearing in mind that you you said you you weren't interested in building uh, Cleverbot to pass any kind of Turing test. Well, it has taken part. Cleverbot has taken part in yes, Turing tests. That's what I was going to say. But it's interesting that you sort of you didn't design it with that intention. It's it's pretty amazing then that it did so well. I believe in twenty eleven was it? Um, it managed to it managed to convince fifty nine point three percent of judges that it was human in a Turing test competition yes. in India. I believe. Yes. Was it? Um, and in, in comparison, just to give it some context, the real humans that were also playing uh, convinced just 63.3% of the judges that they were yeah, well, human. So That was probably the best result that Cleverbot has ever had. It and, did pretty well. And in those circumstances, it was in the circumstances in which that test took place, it was kind of optimal for it, perhaps, in that um, this was a big lecture theatre filled with lots of enthusiastic young people. Firstly, and nothing. There's nothing to say in the Turing test. It can't be in a big, you know, filled with lots of enthusiastic young people. But they were perhaps the um, the the perfect audience for it. Firstly, secondly, um, what the way the test took place was that for a short period, for five minutes, um, a person would come up from the audience and talk to a screen, and that what was on the screen was shown in a big um, on a big monitor. Actually, there were three of these taking place simultaneously. And every time um, the gong was sounded sort of thing, people had to write down um, what these three conversations were. Was this a machine? Was that a human? Was this a machine? Was that... Anyway, 50% of them were with others of the students. 50% of them were with Cleverbot. Um, and um, there was, in the results of, um, uh, of the judging of the, the people who were voting on these conversations, there was very little difference. Mm. Um, and part, partly that's because the spirit of the event was about uh, fun. Mm. Um, so people were having fun conversations and some people were sort of playing games with their opposite number when they were talking to a real human and so on. Mm. Um, and so inherently it made it a little bit more suited to what the way people have fun while talking to Cleverbot. Whereas if you come along and um, you have a, 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 perhaps a more formal Turing test in which um, a professor of linguistics comes up with um, their favourite 20 questions to try and out a bot, um, then of logical nature, which you know, is incredibly ironic to me, because those logical questions, which happen to be sentences that are very difficult to parse, they are in fact very robotic and very, uh, you know, this kind of logical thinking is much more machine-like 
mm. um, than uh, than the natural flowing conversation um, that you hold while you're having fun. So, and it's it's that side that is of most interest to me. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'd like to be the first to truly pass a Turing test. Some people have claimed that it's happened in the past, um, but um, I, it hasn't really. Well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, yeah, really impressive, impressive feat. And I suppose, as you say, it's, if, if, if you're having the conversation in, as you say, perhaps more formal setting with a professor of linguistics mm. or philosophy or something, mm. deliberately trying to catch it out, that's not how we talk as humans to each no, other. No, it's not. So, and it's, it's not what Cleverbot is learning. I suppose it's kind it's of not of the basis of its learning. Yeah. Okay. Um, j just as a sort of side issue, I, I know we spoke uh, just a short while ago about that you had to filter out some of the inevitable sort of sex terms and mm. perhaps bad language and stuff. I know. Was it there was a recent Twitter chatbot that yes. eventually yes. had to be taken down? That, you're referring to Tay, Microsoft bot. That, uh, yes. <laughs> Microsoft were astonishingly um, naive in um, publishing that and not expecting what happened to happen. Um, because um, firstly, they said, we are putting this on the internet because we want to learn how teenagers talk effectively. They, some I don't know the exact words, but it, effectively they were declaring that they wished to um, to invert to have this knowledge, and, and of course pe people are not going to appreciate being told they wish to be investigated in this fashion. It's asking for trouble. Um, isn't absolutely it? asking for trouble. So of course trouble arrived, and they had not prepared the correct logical method yeah. of filtering out the nonsense, mm -hmm. um, of preventing um, the effects of. Um, uh, of output occurring, being in heavily influenced, and the actually the in, an interesting fact about that is, although the um, the learning algorithm that they were using was um, in theory constructional, in other words, it was constructing its sentence out of the data. In practice, most of the almost all of the bad things that came out of it um, were were said verbatim, mm. um, because um, once a model like that gets heavily influenced. It's it's influenced to say things in the sequence that it has been in, influenced into, mm. and effectively there is no difference between that and and, and my model really, um, and um, anyway, um, so uh, one of the things that I have worked on for years and years is um, is that kind of filtering mechanism, um, and the um, and the the decision-making necessary. It means that of all the things that have ever been said to Cleverbot, probably only about 5% exist in its data. <laughs> that much? <laughs> that much, yes. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, in a weird way, I suppose I'm not too surprised. <laughs> um, okay, so in real conversation, obviously, I, I think we might have touched on this already, but in real conversation, you know, we use intonation, cultural references, body language, you know, the whole array of human communication. And do you see a future where chatbots are really able to understand us in the full sense, in the full range of human communication? The full range of human communication requires uh, a learning from uh, a kind of robot childhood, if you like, um, 
uh, with uh, all sensory information, maybe sensors that we don't even ourselves have, doesn't matter what the sensors are, but it requires learning in a multi-sensory way um, uh, from the ground up with, and it would involve the storage of such phenomenal volumes of data that currently it is not possible. Um, if it were possible, maybe the algorithms that we have now would be capable of producing it very interesting results. Um, probably not, probably no, that they wouldn't be good enough. Um, but um, the, um, we have to uh, rely on Moore's law to deliver a, a good number of multiples more computing power before we are capable of genuinely being equivalent to what humans do. And when I say that, I don't mean to what humans think or their intelligence. I just mean to giving an imitation of what a human can do. Mm. Incidentally, how old is how old is Cleverbot now? Well, Cleverbot itself went online in 2006. There was a previous software that went online in 1998. Um, and it was first created, the, the software that it grew into becoming was first created, believe it or not, in 1988. Wow, so that okay. ages me a bit. Um, <laughs> I, I had no idea this sort of thing was going on. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Wow. That was it was rather unusual, I suppose you could say. <laughs> so it, it wasn't online then. That was just yeah. talking to me and my friends. Mm. I suppose opening it up to the internet and then suddenly giving it all this data to learn with. Did you see a very quick improvement in its yes. performance? Yes. So when it went online in 1998, it both suddenly um, grew from... A database of maybe 20,000 lines of conversation mm. only mm. Um, to a few million. Mm. Um, and that has uh, obviously one thing that resulted from that was that it very quickly became a lot more interesting. More people started discovering it. Um, and when enough people started discovering it, it also fairly quickly started becoming naughty. Um, and that's when filtering started and so forth. <laughs> so we then started growing less fast in total numbers, but faster because always there's a, a kind of um, self-promotional loop, if you like. Um, people told each other about it because it was interesting. Mm. And the main reason why Cleverbot comes so well in so many Google searches is because it's been around so long and there are probably at least a million pages out there of people talking about it mm, mm. or linking to it uh, you know it's 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 hard to beat that if you s suddenly come out with a new bot now mm. yeah it's certainly very prominent in um, well it's number one in everything that mm. I was looking for um, you know presumably with every with every minute since we've had this conversation it's got more fluent and better at having conversations and it will continue to do so is it's the sky the limit with it or uh well, in practice, it gets an, it receives an update from its learning from its logs once a day, mm -hmm. not every minute, because mm -hmm. the, the the task of updating all the servers all, all, yeah. all in live would be a little bit too tough. Yeah, sure. um, but it, it did used to operate on that principle, mm. but not only only until it grew so beyond a certain point. Mm. So, is it just going to keep getting better and better? Um, well. Um, the answer is yes, as long as computing power continues to grow, because um, 
even now it is um, it is now served I'll just explain it's now served in um, a quite interesting fashion using graphics processing cards um, you know the um, video cards that you put in your machine to play games and so on uh, high-powered games um, we have the most powerful machine we have has three um, uh, video cards in each with 12 gigabytes of RAM each um, with about more than 2,000 cores in them. Mm. So effectively that's 6,000 little computers in one computer mm. um, and a lot of memory and all of the data is stuffed. In fact that machine is, is running two different copies of Cloverbot so it's stuffed twice into 36 gigabytes of RAM and um, these little cores of the, the graphics card are deciding on whether it's like a, whether this conversation here is like a little bit of the data and another one of them is deciding whether it's a, like that bit of the data and another one is deciding etc etc they're all making little tiny decisions which are then merged to, to make one big decision mm. that's the so, way it works technically and it's it's actually quite difficult to program like that so the ceiling the ceiling on it really is is it so sorry yes i a, i am a technical just a sorry, just a hardware issue. Yes, really. a yeah. hardware issue and a cost issue. Sure. Um, if if there was a, um, a such a card available that suddenly had ten thousand computing units and um, ten times as much RAM, um, then um, we would be able to make it significantly respond significantly better by just by uh, increasing the amount of data that it's allowed to learn and um, uh, or allowed to use actively um, and um, upping the settings because there are about a hundred different settings that control what it does at each stage of the process and um, upping those settings would allow it to look at more data at every stage um, and it could become much more intelligent. Is it your hope that uh, Cleverbot will live on long after you you've, good you've question good question interesting question I mean I have um, talked to people about um, digital selves and um, you know the Cleverbot is not a digital me um, but that's another thing that comes mm. next and uh, I think it's that is starting to happen and in fact we're start we are working on such a project now creating a digital self of a quite famous person and so shortly there's going to be an app launched that, oh, well. <laughs> that, that puts that online um, would you feel sad if you ever would you feel emotional yeah. if you ever had to turn it off or? yeah I would feel emotional I do I would not want to um, to stop to change my path too radically I would not want to uh, prevent um, my program from learning at the same time I want it to keep ahead in terms of what other people are working I mean you know I'm working as I said for a long time now on um, a really significant upgrade to the software using machine learning techniques and so forth if someone else released something that was as good or better then you know I'd be ever more keen to to come up with the next stage well it must be a wonderful feeling knowing that you've you bought a lot of entertainment and a lot of laughs into the world with your creation you know it must be it must be a good feeling so just sort of um, in your personal opinion what do you think the future holds for AI and our relationship with machines where is this all going I think that it's not many years before um, we all well maybe not all but large numbers of us hold conversations with a machine in which we treat the machine as if it is intelligent 
in some senses the machine will be super intelligent in this in this sort of extended version of the kind of senses in which Google search is super intelligent now it can find data that we had no way of knowing it will be able to find an answer to how to book this to get you from here to there or whatever in a trice in a way that you, that no human would be capable of or working out the distance from here to there etc etc in other words it will be able to provide phenomenally useful and intelligent answers will it be itself be intelligent no not for quite a lot longer um, but I believe that it is possible to create actual intelligence and that it's unlikely that the human species is going to stop its pursuit of the next big thing and it's therefore it's very unlikely that it's not going to happen a lot of people think that is highly dangerous and that it leads to some kind of catastrophe i don't i think it's a very positive thing because i think machines these computers that possess uh, an understanding of the world that is beyond that of any individual will be capable of assisting us to solve many of the problems we face. If we were able to find solutions to en energy, for example, now, today, using a superior technology to what we have, um, then things would change in our future for the better, not for the worse. Um, and that's the sort of thing that could be easy to a machine that actually genuinely possesses intelligence. It's wonderful. So you're optimistic. Yeah. Um, just on a, just on a personal opinion, what's what's your take on this whole sort of runaway in intelligence explosion sort of idea? You know, um, do you think it's a very long way off or implausible or improbable? I think that um, it is logically. Um, true to say that um, if a machine achieves a level of understanding in, uh, to which it can understand its own mechanics um, then it ought to be able to improve it because um, uh, because it would be somewhere close to or at human intelligence at the time um, and um, given a longer period of time humans too ought to be capable of improving it uh, it would be able to do so in much less time because there is no theoretical limit to the amount of processing power it can be given or the number of instances in which it can run in different places. Uh, that's highly theoretical, however. It has to have the right conditions. It has to have the right processing power. It has to have the right algorithm, etc. In order to ever get beyond the first tiny tiny notch on the way towards that yeah and it's nowhere near that now yeah yeah and so for people you know for people like um elon musk or um uh, uh, professor hawking to say that they're worried about it now is i think considerably premature mm. Mm. Well, Ronald, thank you ever so much for that enlightening conversation i, I really appreciate it so there you have it, a genuinely enjoyable and interesting conversation, I hope you'll agree. I wish Rollo all the very best of success in the future. Again, if you want to get chatting with Cleverbot, head over to cleverbot.com or check out some of Rollo's other chatbot projects at exista.com. Next time we'll be continuing with our exploration of AI and we'll be hearing from renowned transhumanist and research fellow at Oxford's Future of Humanity Institute, 
Anders Sandberg. Another really interesting conversation that I wholeheartedly recommend you tune in for. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, send an email to contact.thinkpiece at gmail.com. Find the podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and please do be sure to get liking and sharing. So, thanks for listening, and until next time, my friends, take care. Peace.